Amen. I'd like to welcome everyone tonight, and especially if we have any guests in service with us tonight, we want to welcome you as a part of this service tonight. Those of you that may be watching online somewhere tonight, we welcome you as a part of this service and pray that you are blessed wherever you may be tonight. We give honor to Bishop and Mother Wright tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Keep them in your prayers for some rest and strength. They had uh, one of the worst travel nightmares I've ever heard of. They got to Atlanta late yesterday or Friday for their flight because of delays of the snow. Finally, 11 o'clock Friday night, their flight was totally canceled miraculously and I don't say that facetiously they found a hotel room in Atlanta actually at a hotel where the lady said we don't have any rooms they ended up driving home yesterday because Delta was going to send them home this evening and they were going to fly from Atlanta to Richmond Richmond to JFK and then JFK to Baltimore so, of course, if you followed the weather at all yesterday, it was south of here is where a lot of that storm was and was coming from. So they've had a very busy week-plus ministry, and then that was the icing on the cake. So please keep them in your prayers. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I... I need, I need to communicate a few disclaimers before I get to my primary purpose here tonight. I need to get a couple of things out of the way so I can just preach. Many of you know me well enough to know I've made progress, Sister Tyler. I really have. But I still, every now and then, Apologies bleed through. And so I'm going to apologize up front. I'm, I'm, just going, I'm not going to try to not apologize. I'm just going to apologize up front. Not really. But there are a few things I feel like I need to say so that I can then hopefully preach with the liberty that I believe I need to. And this is all really positive. Where I'm going is positive. It may be a little bumpy getting there. But don't brace yourself and get all it. I'm, I'm very excited about where we're going tonight. But again, I need to, if nothing else, I'm being very honest, for my own sake. I just need to get a couple of things off my, off my chest here before I start. And I hope that no one here or no one anywhere else will take offense at anything I'm about to communicate. I am who God has made me to be. I am wired the way God made me, the way God wired me. I am more than willing for God to change whatever is wrong with me. And in fact, ask Him on a regular basis. But at 46 years old, there are some things that God has not changed to this point that in my mind I thought He should have. 
Therefore, if he has not changed those things, and I am working to accept that I am exactly who and what he made me to be. I want you to understand, first and foremost tonight, and this is all just my, 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 this is the fine print before we get to the advertisement. I understand that the church is not a building. I understand that the church is not a building. Timothy was about two and a half years old when the sanctuary gymatorium collapsed. I walked down the hallway with him at some point, probably it was at that point, I think a few days after the collapse, it may have been even that night when we first started checking it all out, I don't remember that exactly, but I walked down the hall with him at two and a half years old in my arms, and if you remember those two doors leading into the sanctuary, each one had a small glass window that you could see in. And the two-and-a-half-year-old that I was holding in my arms looked inside the window and said, Where did the church go? And I am very glad to know that I there was no point in explaining to the two-and-a-half-year-old, but I was really glad to know the building collapsed. But the church did not collapse. The roof fell in on the structure, but the church is fine. The church may be at Knights of Columbus, or the church may have been at Old Mill High School, or the church may have been in Annapolis, and now all the other places we continue. And so I was thankful to know in my heart that the church had not fell down. After that, he used to say, that was back in the days we were at Annapolis High School on Sunday nights and other places and all of that transition and We'd be heading to church and he would say, are we going to the church that went down, crashed down? Are we going to the church that went down, crashed down? Of course, to a two and a half year old, three year old, the answer was simply yes or no. But inside I'm saying there is no church that went down, crashed down. Because the church is not a building, it is not a facility. The church is the called out ones. It is those of us that have been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. I'm turning this knob and it doesn't seem to me to be doing anything at all. Is that correct? So if somebody could please help me out a little bit. The church did not go down, crash down. Something happened. I think I can hear now. Because it's the people, not a building. Now, I understand that church is not a verb. I understand that church is a noun and it's not a verb. I understand that. But I also am a firm believer that what we did this morning, wherever you were, what we did Thursday night, and what we are doing in this place tonight is of great value. In fact, the scripture says in Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking, not forsaking, not forsaking the assembly. Now, you do, like Brother Godwin said, just give me some good amens and I'll keep going. You get quiet on me, that makes me think i got to slow down for a minute. 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I'm not, not trying to be offensive, but I don't even need another translation there. But I'll give you one anyway. We says this, not letting down on the assembling of ourselves together. Not letting down on the assembling of ourselves together, even as the custom of certain is. But exhorting one another, encouraging one another, so much the more as you see the day drawing near. Hebrews says, don't get together less when the time's drawing near. Hebrews says, don't cut back on your assembling together when you're getting closer to the day. He said, you need to do it a little bit more because it's not going to get easier. It's not going to get simpler. And so you need one another to support one another. Brother Wright, that's not talking about church, or that's not just talking about church. Amen! Amen! Wholeheartedly agree. Absolutely, completely agree. But church is in there. I am so bothered and burdened by the fact The solution to people's busyness in life is to cut God and church and ministry out. Why is it if your life is too overwhelmed, your time is lost, why is it first thing to go is ministry involvement? And then next thing to go is church attendance. Pulse, or not whoever the writer of Hebrews said, so much the more. I I, I saw a question, I don't know who the person, you know on on Facebook it's kind of easy, I'm pretty particular on Instagram who who I allow or who I I accept requests from, but Facebook I'm kind of wide open. And I saw this question posted on Facebook the other day and had to do with some stuff about church. I don't know who the person was that asked the question there, a friend. I love that Facebook family. What in the world is Facebook family? Somebody please tell me. Help me out. What is Facebook family? <laughs> but this question was posted with regards to the gathering of the church for various activities. And this, this was one of the responses of somebody that was stating what their church was doing. They were eliminating their they were eliminating a service. They were eliminating one of their weekly services. And they said this, We chose to do this since PM attendance had been waning. And it is getting harder and harder to get people in on off days. So we are going to try this and hope it allows us to accomplish the things we need to without affording extra, without adding, excuse me, without adding extra days to our schedule. 
I'm just going to tell you right now, if that's the kind of church and pastor you want, you need to get your stuff and go out of here now. Because we will not determine ministry and what we do and how we do it because waning attendance and people are so busy with their lives that we got to figure out how to make Jesus so convenient to squeeze Him into their life. Show me one place in the book where Jesus is trying to get squeezed into my world. He said, if any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Well, Brother Wright, it's 2017 and the times are changing. Yes, the times are changing but heaven and earth shall pass away but the word of God will never pass away I understand here's another one of my disclaimers I understand what I'm about to read from three different places in the Psalms was not referring to a church building and I agree it's probably not in fact I will say it wasn't the primary context or application of the verse but I've checked with a couple of people I trust very much and they said they felt like you could apply the context and the principle so here we go Psalm 122 and 1 I was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord I did start a little early didn't I I was glad I'm just going to go on record tonight and tell you I just actually happen to love church I said, I love church. And I'm well aware it's not all about church. I know it's not all about coming. We've been commissioned to go. I know all of that. There is something in social, I think in economics is kind of the primary context of it, but I think it's in social areas as well. It's called the law of unintended consequences. I'm just going to tell you, I think there's been some unintended consequences of some things that have been communicated. And I said unintended consequences. And I'm just going to tell you, I think we need to get back to a renewed love for the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, Oh, I know some of you dread church and you can't stand church and you get tired of church. I'm sorry. You get out what you put in. And I just got to tell you, I love it. Psalm 73, I read these verses this morning, but I'll use them tonight in this context. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. I got to looking at the prosperity of the wicked, and it got to be too much for me. Until, until what? Until I got into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. I know sometimes you got to get something by yourself, all on your own. But I also know there have been some times I couldn't get it by myself. But when I got into the sanctuary and the presence of God was moving and working, something changed.
Psalm 84 and 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I'm not saying the psalmist was referring exactly to church as we know it. But I will say, I believe there's an application. I said it a couple of weeks ago. It came out very wrong. I hate even getting close to it to bring it up again. Maybe I should fix my example. I was trying to make the point that a few times in my marriage I was traveling or I woke up (laughs) by myself or for a couple of years I woke up with a child in my face. (laughs) I've lived with the same Lady, now for 25 years. I don't know how many thousands of times I've kissed her. And by the grace of God, I never kissed any other woman. Thank you, Jesus. I got to tell you. Sorry, kids. Close your ears. I do not foresee stopping kissing any time in the future. The near future at the very least. Because as many times as I've done it, whoo, baby. I don't care how many hundreds of times you've come to church. I don't care how many thousands of times you come to church. If it gets old. Excuse my grammar. It ain't my fault. And it ain't God's fault. Because every day there's something new about Jesus. The principle is the rain that comes down is in accordance to the vapor that goes up. If you come to church and nothing's happening, don't blame it on the musicians. Don't blame it on the singers. Don't even blame it on me. Because if you will send up some rain, it don't matter if nobody else sends it up or not. You can't outgive God. And if you send something up, God's going to send something down. Brother Shelton shared this quote with me. A.W. Tozer said, We should come to church not anticipating entertainment. Amen. 
but expecting the high and holy manifestation of God's presence. If we've got to get into entertaining, if we've got to get into gimmicks and tricks to get people in a church service, then you are absolutely right. We have messed up. But if we could just get God moving. Brother Sharon preached it a couple of months ago. If God's in the house and God's doing something, the word is going to spread. I want you to understand, I do not think the building is the church. I do not think we've been called to come. We've been sent to go. But I stand here tonight based on who I believe and what I believe God has created me to be to tell you I believe there is an absolute place and purpose for what we are doing here tonight. And I believe in the context of this church there is a place and a purpose for where we are tonight. I don't know if this is true or not or if it's just one of those really great made-up ones. The man says he saw a little boy standing in the street. Saw a tiny little boy stood in tears on a busy street corner. What was he doing? When he tried to explain, all he knew was his name. It was late and beginning to rain. So I asked him about the place where he lived. He remembered the old church where the big cross was lit. Then his eyes opened wide and he said with a smile, If you can get me to the cross, I'll find my way home. I believe there's some prodigals out there that at some point are going to wake up from the pig pen. And they're going to know, if I can just get to 1535 Ritchie Highway, I know where the Father is. And I also believe there's not going to be a bunch of judgmental elder brothers waiting on me. But instead of it just being the Father with open arms, I'm going to have some brothers and sisters waiting with open arms to welcome me home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here we go. Hopefully I got my disclaimer out. I mean with all sincerity, by the God be my judge. I'm not attempting to say anything to be critical or judgmental of anybody. I'm just telling you where I stand. So here we go, 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse number 8. You understand, I just communicated to you, I am not implying that when you read about the house of the Lord or the sanctuary in the Old Testament, that that is absolutely exactly the same thing as the church where we gather. Okay? But I'll say it one more time and try not to say it anymore. I do believe there is application. There is a principle I think, Brother Yu, if I'm not mistaken, is the one that originally coined the phrase, we are rigid in principle, flexible in application. Second Chronicles 6, verse number 8. Solomon has completed the building of the temple 
the temple that his dad desperately desired to build. It was David's dream to build God a house. He said, I dwell in this beautiful house and you live in a temporary dwelling place. And the prophet responded first and said, go ahead and do it. Sounds good to me. But God rebuked the prophet and he had to go back to David and said, I'm sorry, you can't build the house, but God's going to let your son build the house. What is amazing is David went ahead and provided pretty much all the materials if not all the materials, the majority of the materials that were needed for the building of that house. But Solomon then came along and it was Solomon's job to build that temple. And Solomon constructed what has come to be known as one of the greatest architectural accomplishments of all time. So I read to you at the completion of that temple, Solomon's prayer. Second Chronicles 6 and 8. But the Lord said to David, my father, for as much as it was in thine heart to build a house for my name, thou didst dwell, thou didst well in that it was in thine heart. Notwithstanding, thou shalt not build the house, but thy son which shall come forth out of thy loins, he shall build the house for my name. The Lord therefore hath performed his word that he hath spoken, for I am risen up in the room of David my father, and am set on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised, and have built the house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And in it have I put the ark wherein is the covenant of the Lord that He made with the children of Israel. I don't care how great the facility is. I don't care how beautiful the structure is. I don't care how grand it is. If the presence is not in it, it's worth it. Worthless. And he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands. For Solomon had made a, bra a brazen scaffold of five cubits long and five cubits broad and three cubits high and had set it in the midst of the court and upon it he stood and kneeled down upon his knees before all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven and said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like Thee in the heaven nor in the earth, which keepest covenant and showest mercy unto Thy servants, that walk before Thee with all their hearts, Thou which hast kept with Thy servant David my father that which Thou hast promised him, and spakest with Thy mouth and hast fulfilled it with Thine hand as it is this day. Now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David my father that which thou hast promised him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit upon the throne of Israel, yet so that thy children take heed to their way to walk in my law as thou hast walked before me. Now then, O Lord God of Israel, let thy word be verified which thou hast spoken unto thy servant David. But will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house which I have built. Have respect, therefore, to the prayer of thy servant and to his, to his supplication. 
Oh Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry and the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee, that thine eyes may be open upon this house day and night, upon the place whereof thou hast said that thou would put thy name there to hearken unto the, unto the prayer which thy servant prayeth toward this place. Hearken therefore unto the supplications of thy servant and of thy people Israel which, that, which they shall make toward this place. Hear thou from thy dwelling place even from heaven and when thou hearest forgive. If a man sin against his neighbor and an oath be laid upon him to make him swear and the oath come before thine altar in this house, then hear thou from heaven and do and judge thy servants by requiting the wicked, by recompensing his way upon his own head and by justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. And if thy people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy because they have sinned against thee and shall return and confess thy name and pray and make supplication before thee in this house, then hear thou from the heavens and forgive the sin of thy people Israel and bring them again unto the land which thou gavest to them and to their fathers. When the heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee, yet if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou dost afflict them, then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel. And when thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk and send rain upon thy land which thou hast given unto thy people for an inheritance... If there be dearth in the land, if there be pestilence, if there be blasting or mildew, locusts or caterpillars, if their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land, whatsoever sore or whatsoever sickness there be, then what prayer or what supplication soever shall be made of any man or of all thy people Israel, when every one shall know his own sore and his own grief and shall spread forth his hands in this house, then hear thou from heaven in thy dwelling place, and forgive and render unto every man according unto all his ways, whose heart thou knowest, for thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men, that they may fear thee to walk in thy ways so long as they live in the land which thou gavest unto our fathers. Moreover, concerning the stranger, which is not of thy people, this is not just for us as a cute little group of apostolics. This is not some exclusive club that we've created here. This is intended to be inclusive, not exclusive. Yeah, we've got some things we believe in and stand for. And we do believe that we are supposed to come out of darkness into His marvelous light. And what fellowship hath light with darkness? And we are supposed to be separated from the world. And we are supposed to be holy. We believe all of that. But it's not so we can form some compound and be our own nice little group. So Solomon said... When the stranger which is not of thy people Israel, but is come from a far country for thy great namesake and thy mighty hand and thy stretched out arm, if they come and pray in this house, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for. Oh, you hear that? You hear his prayer? God, whatever the stranger that doesn't even belong here. He's not a part of this house. But God, when he turns toward this house and prays, then we're asking you to do what the stranger asks you to do. 
that all people of the earth may know thy name and fear thee as doth thy people Israel and may know that the house, this house which I have built is called by thy name. If thy people go out to war against the enemies by the way that thou shalt send them and they pray unto thee toward this city which thou hast chosen in the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from the heavens their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. If they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not, and thou be angry with them and deliver them over before their enemies and, uh, and they carry them away captives unto a land far off or near, yet if they bethink themselves in the land whither they carry, whither they are carried captive and turn and pray unto thee in the land their captivity, saying, We have sinned, we have done amiss, and have dealt wickedly, if they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whither they have carried them captives and pray toward their land, and thou gavest that which thou gavest unto their fathers and toward the city which thou hast chosen and toward the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from the heavens even from thy dwelling place their prayer and their supplications and maintain their cause and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. Now, my God, let I beseech thee thine eye be open and let thine ears be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now therefore, arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place. This isn't, this isn't where God, this isn't where God's confined to. I know this is not where God is limited and confined to. I know that. And Solomon knew that as well. And so he said, Arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation. And let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David thy servant. No, I am not saying that this place, that this building or any other building is synonymous with the prayer that Solomon prayed. But I will say again, I do believe there is principle that can be applied. And did we not hear several months ago as the man of God, I've been here 46 years, I don't remember all of that time, but there's, it's been a long time now that I've had some kind of awareness of what's going on. And in 46 years, I have never experienced what we experienced several months ago when the man of God stood to this pulpit and took this microphone and said, Thus saith the Lord, and began to prophesy, I think, for 20 or 30 minutes. An entire message that was all a prophecy. And in that message it was stated very clearly that God had made promises that applied to this location. And God had made promises that had to do with this piece of property. And the, and the bishop got up at the end of that prophecy and took the microphone and said, I witness that everything that was just said is the Holy Ghost. I understand some of you are at other places on Sunday morning, but we're here together tonight, and we come together Thursday night. So it's not about just a one single service. God, it's about your great name. It's not about us. 
It's not about a personality. It's not about an individual group of people. It's about your great name. But I do believe and I declare tonight by faith. We have yet to see. Eye has not seen and ear has not heard. The things that God is going to do in this place through this people. Oh, hallelujah. Haggai chapter 1, verse number 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie in waste? The Living Bible says it this way, verse 3 and 4. His reply to them is this, Is it then the right time for you to live in luxurious homes when the temple lies in ruins? Is it right for you to live in luxury when my house is falling apart? I want you to get this first and foremost in the spiritual application of the church and not a building. Because I believe it applies that way just as much. He's saying, you, you, you're working on building your life. You're working on building your stuff. But you're letting my stuff fall apart. Listen to what he says. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it in a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood. And build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste. And you, re- you run every man unto his own house. Say it again. Some of you have no time for God and ministry and church and all that because you're so busy building your house, your life. When Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things shall be added. Added. I I, I don't know if they'd care or not, but just to be safe, I won't call the name, but the first year we were in the house that we are currently in. We were having a young adult New Year's Eve party. We moved in there in April, and so this was December. And somebody asked this question. Now understand what I'm about to say. I'm not, I realize that I preached it this morning. Ultimately, it's, it's about the weight of glory. And I preached it a couple Sunday nights ago. Whatever you do for God is not in vain. 
But that, I'm not saying that that means you're going to get all kind of great things here because sometimes and, and ultimately the greatest payback for your investment is in eternity where moth and rust doth not decay, okay? So please understand. Another disclaimer. One of the young people said that night, Brother Wright, what do I have to do to get a house like this? And without hesitation, my response was, Seek ye first. Because I began to replay in my mind choices and decisions. I remember, I think it was like our third anniversary. My wife and I had gone out to eat at that point in time. I believe she was still driving her Scirocco. Some of you don't even know what that is. If I'm not mistaken, I think I may have been driving a little Toyota pickup that my grandmother sold me. 1987 Toyota pickup. All it had was a radio. You turned the dial, literally turned the dial. Got a little exercise putting the window down. Yeah. At that point in time, my wife was working as a a, uh, uh, receptionist or a secretary. I was working at the church part-time, going to college. And we went out to eat, and then we went to... Look at cars, Brother Isaac. And at that point in time, we, we based on what she was making, particularly, <laughs> not what I was making, but what she was making, we could afford a car. And that was when, uh, um, who were those, uh, not, Stratus? Is it Strat? What was it? There was a, a uh, Dodge and a little Chrysler. They were similar. Stratus? Now, I got to tell you, 1994, Four, whatever that five, it had been about ninety six. Actually, now I remember because it was when I became school principal. That little Stratus man was a sharp look, especially compared to Scirocco. It was a dark green Scirocco. On the back of that Scirocco, the bumper had two bolts, where the bumper had fallen off one day, and she had to go pick up the bumper. And haul it back to the car and it got bolted back on. I know, I know some of you see where we are today. I don't mean this to sound unkind, but there's more people than Bishop that have some stories. Of, and I tell you what, man, them looking them good looking cars, Brother Johnson. And we were we were close to a decision. And I became school principal. And we had a need for a kindergarten teacher. A voluntary position. We didn't even have kids to get tuition for free in exchange. ACS, no pay, keep where you are, new car. I'm thankful tonight. I was hard then. But I'm thankful tonight that we decided the house of the Lord was more important than our house. Because some of you have made the wrong decisions and then it falls apart and you don't understand why. Because God is blowing on your stuff. Because you're neglecting His house, focused on your house. You can bind the devil all you want to. Bind the devil and you got a right. You can't bind God. 
You can't, you can't rebuke God. If it's the devil blowing, you can rebuke the devil. But when God's blowing, you can't make the, you can't make God's, the, he said you were focused on yours and so I blew on yours. I verified. I, I, I know it's a little bit different context, but I think the principle applies. Sister Megan's got a bachelor's degree in nursing. When she got married, had a, you were in pediatric nursing, right? Had a good job. Yeah. And then next thing you know, new baby comes along. They weren't living in the best of places, nicest of houses but made some decisions. I believe God. I'm not saying tomorrow. I'm not saying next week. Not God is going to reward your decisions. Because some of us try so hard to build our own house and put God's house and other things down the list. While we build. And God says, why should you have yours all together? And mine is falling apart. But if you'll put mine first, I will add. Is there anybody besides me tonight that can testify that you've looked around at some things in your life and thought, where, where did this come from? I should not have this. I should not have. Where did this come from? I'll tell you where it came from. Somewhere along the way, you decided, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put your house first. I'm going to put your kingdom first. And he says, you put me first, and I'm going to take care of you. You did everything you could, and I blew on it and became your enemy. I don't know about you, but I don't want God to be my enemy. I, I, I know we got, we got authority and power over the devil and all that, but you still got to fight him. And there, there's a whole lot of other opposition to but I just got to tell you, I don't, want, I don't want to make God my enemy. I'd like to know that he and I are on the same side. I'm just here tonight to declare, to testify to you. And I know there are others that can testify as well. If you will put God first... If you will put God first in every aspect, in every way, in every area of your life, then you can rest assured you cannot outgive God. And I do not believe that is strictly about your money. When you give of yourself, your time, your energy, your effort, you are giving and you can't outgive God. In fact, I gotta tell you, I'd rather give, I, I wanna, I won't give him my money, but I wanna make sure I'm giving me, cause I don't want him just giving me back money for my money. I need to get him. You know, our problem is we, we believe in the solar system. 
Only problem is too many times we are the one that everything revolves around. God orbits us. And it's supposed to be me orbiting God as the center. And if I will keep God at the center of it all, I don't have to worry about God taking care of me. And again, no, I'm not preaching tonight that God's going to make you or I rich. and what, But you know what? That, that's, that's really in the big scheme of things. There's a whole lot of other blessings that are a lot more valuable than money in the bank. For those of you that saw the video, whether through the email or posted online, 41 years ago, Bishop stood in the meeting. I asked him, I went to that spot on purpose because I asked him, you stood in the meeting, right? Yes. He said, I stood in the meeting directly across from where the entrance is now. Stood there with a real estate agent looking at a piece of property. I forget how many acres it was originally. 20 or 30, somewhere in there. Agent told him the price. He was ready to walk away. And God says, tell him you want it. Wait a minute. Tell him what? And what? was an absolute impossibility. God provided. He told the story in the Board of Trustees meeting just a couple of weeks ago. He said that at that point in time, they were paying $250 a month for a church payment and had to take a special offering every month to make that $250 payment. And the payment to buy this property was going to be over $1,000 a month. You do the math. 250 special offerings. A thousand. God said, do it. Oh, God. I got a question. Is there any of that faith that still lives at Antioch? Is there anybody that still has the kind of faith that says it may look impossible, it may feel impossible? It may seem impossible, but with God. I've seen you move. You've moved the mountains. And I believe you'll do it again. You made a way when there was no way. And I believe that you are the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Exodus chapter 35. Verse number 20. God has given instruction to Moses to build the tabernacle. Verse 30, verse 20. He has given instructions to them what is needed for the building of the tabernacle. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses 
And they came, every one whose heart stirred him up, and every one whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his servants, and for the holy garments. Chapter 36, verse 1, Then when then wrought Bezalel and Aholiab, these are some of the main workers on the tabernacle, and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom and everyone whose heart had and everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. And they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it with all. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. Is it, am I not correct, that when the tabernacle was set up in the wilderness, when they moved around, the tabernacle wasn't somewhere on the outskirts, away from everything. They didn't stick it somewhere out on the outside of the focus of their world. But at the middle of the setup, at the center of it all was the tabernacle. And again, I am not saying that this is synonymous with the tabernacle. But I do believe there is a principle that was being established. That in your world and my world, God should not be on the outskirts. But God should be at the center of it all. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. Verse 5. Go back to verse 4. Hurry up quick before everybody reads it. Verse 4, quick, quick, quick. Close your eyes. Don't look. Wait, wait. I want you to watch. I want you to watch what happens. I want you to watch what happens. They've, They've asked for what was needed for the work of the Lord. Look at this. Verse 5. And they, that, that's Bezalel and Aholiab, says to Moses, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. Now get this next verse. And Moses gave commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing 
Come here, Brother Isaac. Come here. I, I want to walk towards the altar. I mean, right there at the front. I mean, the figurative altar. Yeah. They, they were... They, they restrained the people. No, you can't give anymore. It, oh, man. Gonna get tight before it gets loose. I got a feeling. Some of y'all think oftentimes you're break from standing. Rather than restraining, we'd have to drag you. They, they sent an email out. They posted it on Facebook and Instagram. Stop giving. Do you, do you see that? Stop giving. They restrained them. From brink, they restrained them. They restrained them. That is, I would say unbelievable, but it's in the Bible. There we go, mind-boggling. For the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and... Too much. Too much. Too much. I know all scripture is given by inspiration of God. I know that, but surely there's got to be some typos in here. Surely somebody messed up a little bit in here. Too much. But they valued the presence of God. And they valued God amongst them. How much do you value God in your life? How important is the presence of God in your life? What price are you willing to pay to have the presence of God in your life? I got a feeling I'm not the only one tonight that believes there is no price too great to pay to have God in my life. And I don't want God just as an extra in my life. But I must have His presence in my life. They said, they said, stop. Stop. We've got too much. We've got too much. We've got too much. Oh, oh for the day. Oh for the day. We could say, y'all got to go back to Arnold. They don't need that many people at College Park. Oh for the day. I know this isn't very spiritual, but it, I think it fits anyway, spiritual or not. Oh, for the day, Brother McGuckian, we could say, sorry, we, we don't have enough mulch and enough wheelbarrows to go around. Y'all go home. Oh, oh, for the day. Sister Angie, we can say, sorry, you're going to have to get on a waiting list to teach Sunday school. 
We got too many people. Oh, for the day, Brother Spriggs, we could say, sorry, if you want to be an usher, you're going to have to put your name in the, in the line because we got way too many. Rather than the same guys having to do it service after service. I thought this was all going to be really great, I guess. Oh, oh, for the day. Sorry, we got too many greeters. You're, you're going to have to find something else to do. Oh, for the day. Sorry, the anchor outreach on Sunday mornings. We, we don't need your help. We're, we're, we got too many people wanting to help. I'm, not, I'm, 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 I'm talking about money, but I'm not just talking about money. Oh, oh, for the day when rather than getting up and pleading because we got a need for a ministry, we got personnel that are needed in ministry. We're having to say, sorry, we can't use you. We got too much. That, that's in, that in context, that's what was said. We got enough. We don't need any more help. Because the house of God, the building of the sanctuary, was the most important thing to them. And I say this totally in a figurative context, not in the literal application of a building. The building of the kingdom and the church should be at the top of our priority list. Because but for the grace of God, we'd be out there needing somebody to help us get in here. We've got too much. We got too much. Brother Wright, I, I can't give more. I can't give more time. I don't have time. I can't give more money. I'm barely making it. Let me tell you something. There's something interesting about money. God has a way of taking little and turning it around. Or providing in ways that are completely beyond anything you could imagine possible. I've got a couple of testimonies in my lifetime where God's done some stuff that I'm looking at it going, where in the world did this come from? I should have, I had no reason to expect it. And I do believe that part of the reason that's happened a couple of times is because I've tried, not always perfectly, but I've tried to put the kingdom first. Because if I'll put him first, he'll take care of me. And I got to tell you, it's a whole lot nicer when you're letting him build your world too. Whew. I've been there a few times trying to build it myself, figure it all out. How am I going to make this work? How am I going to do this? And then finally, okay, God, I think I'll let you do it. Wait a minute, that was too easy. I've been stressing all this time and you just took care of it. Why? Because you stopped focusing on your seal. That, that word sealed there in the Hebrew means paneled. It must have been houses in the 70s, I guess. Because it meant fancy. You're in your fancy house, your fancy life. He said, my house lies in waste. But if you'll take care of my house... 
I'm going to take care of your house. I said it the other day, and I've already basically said it, and I'm going to say it again tonight. I, it is not about a building. It is not about a piece of property. And I understand there's places in the world today that have great church, that have growing churches that don't have a building. I understand that. But apparently at this point in time, unless we're missing it, God has chosen to give us one. Listen, folks, if he didn't want us to have this, it wouldn't take much for him to get rid of it. So I know there's, there, there's people that meet Sunday mornings in this congregation, in, in community centers and all kinds of other places. I understand it's not about a building, but I'm going to say it again. God has given us, not me, not Bishop, us. Oh my goodness! I, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the runway, but I, us, us, us. God has given us some things, not a person, some, but us. God's provided for us, and if God didn't want to provide, He wouldn't provide. Here we sit tonight. I've used this. I've mentioned this a couple of times in a couple of different settings. I think I've even used some of it preaching a time or two. Several years ago, I was in a conversation with Brother Shelton one day on the phone. And I began to take some notes of that conversation. And I went back to that this week, reread some of it. One of the statements he made in that conversation was, you can't love what you don't see without first loving what you do see. You can't love your brother. I mean, excuse me. You can't love God that you haven't seen if you don't love your brother who you have seen. And there is a principle of faithfulness that you take care of what God has given you if you want God to give you more. Why should God bless you with a new car when the one you got looks like a dumpster? I'm not talking about the external car. I'm talking about If I want God to give me something else, I need to prove I can take care of what I have. If you don't, I'm another statement, if you don't take care of the, or excuse me, if you don't care about the tangible, you will eventually not care about the intangible. Mm. If I don't care about what I can see and touch, I will eventually not care about what I can't see. Don't touch. And he made this statement. They came to see the beauty of Solomon's temple. That provided the opportunity for them to experience the presence of the Lord. 
The Bible talks about the Queen of Sheba. She came to visit Solomon because she had heard all about him. She had heard about his house that he had built and she came and she was amazed and impressed by the servants and the way they dressed and the food she was served. And then she was most impressed by their ascent, the way they went up into the house of the Lord. They were impressed by her worship, by their worship. She was impressed by their worship. I do not believe that our focus should be the great graphics and the lovely lights and the nice comfortable chairs and hopefully trying to get the temperature where at least half of you are happy. It's going to be too hot for some and too cold for others always. I don't believe it's about having great instruments and great singers and musicians as the focal point of what we do. But I also believe there is a principle in Scripture that whatever we do, we should do with excellence. Solomon didn't decide to build the temple for his father and say, you know what, let me just just throw this thing together. Just, you know, get a few few pieces of plywood and, you know, just just, just give me a lean-to. That's where, no. He decided he was going to do the best he could do. And I believe that whatever we do is a part of ministry. And I believe that whatever we're called to do, we should do it to the absolute best of our ability. I don't know where my wife heard it. I don't think she made it up first. I think she heard it somewhere. But the statement is, people may not come to your church because you cut the grass. But they may not come back if you don't. They may not come, Brother McGuckian, because of that beautifully landscaped sign down there. But they may decide if it's overgrown and a mess. You know what? These people don't really care. And if they don't care about the tangible, they probably really won't ultimately care about me. So, I, 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 this, this hadn't quite gone. I, I, I have not... I beg of you, I have not come tonight. I had no intent of, of coming across as being confrontational or rough, if that is by chance how I've come across. Forgive the poor expression of my passion and burden if that's how it's come across. Okay? Is that alright? I'm not apologizing for what? I, we are, I believe we are at such, I, I'm going to say it, I'm going to remind you a couple of months ago now it's been in Mississippi when Brother J.J. J. Bourne stopped me. 
and said, God is about to do something at your church that is going to astound the state. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I don't know. Can I tell you what I've been praying? I'm going to tell you what I've been praying. God, when you said that, you know what you meant. When you made that promise, you, you know. You haven't told me what you meant. All you told me, all you said to me was you're going to do something to astound the state. But if I could just put in a request. That if there's any influencing of that promise. Here's what I'm asking. This is my desire in that promise. If, what you're, if you're going to do something to astound the state, then what I'm asking you to do as a part of astounding the state is harvest. Not, not, not miracles that, you know, we can get on the news and not, I know those will happen. I believe those are going to happen. I believe the dead's going to be real. I believe that. Don't miss, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But if there's going to be something to astound the state, I, I, I'd like it to be the amount of souls that are being impacted for the kingdom of God. The amount of lives that are being transformed by the power of God. It may be some other stuff, and if that's what God chooses, so be it. But what I'm hoping for that's going to astound us is the fact that we don't have room for all those that God's bringing that not only here but in deal at College Park in an 800,000 seat chapel that there's not enough room. Hallelujah. Anybody enjoy having company at your house? Anybody enjoy? I, I do. I enjoy. I enjoy having people to our house. That was one of when we were looking to buy the house we're in now. That was one of the that was one of the driving. We want a house that we can entertain in. We want to be able to have people over. And we've done a lot of different things in the last eight years that we've been there. And and but I got to tell you, there's a really good chance that when you show up and walk in, it probably didn't look quite like that. Even minutes before you got there. And there's a few doors and places that you can't go. Because all that you can see looks good. Because when company's coming, especially if you value, honor, Who's coming? You prepare for their arrival. You want things to look nice. You want things to be in order. You want things to be in place because you want your company to be impressed. I'm come tonight to tell Antioch that I believe company's on the way. Said, I believe company is on the way. We've got more than one prophecy that says the house is going to be full. Now I'll remind you, the goal is not to get this place filled so we can kick back and relax. Don't, don't, please don't misunderstand or misread what I'm saying. Dear God, we can put maybe 500 people in here fairly comfortably, a few more than that. We got 500,000 people in this county. 
And this is not about just one little location. That's why I'm dressed the way I am tonight. With my birthday hanky and my birthday lapel pin. Because I believe, I'm not really trying to be funny, to be honest with you. I purposely put these socks and this hanky and this pin on because I believe God is going to affect this state and it's going to flow out from this place. And that's not just my wish, want, or desire. That's what God has told us. And I believe company's coming. You know what? My kids have seen my bedroom in all kinds of condition. Bed unmade. Clothes laying around all over the place. Stepping over stuff to get in. But our house is for sale. Been on the market for several months. I promise you. When there's a showing... Nobody's stepping over anything. We want you to walk through and be amazed and impressed. So you know what? Most of y'all are here. You come, you're going to come. And I'm glad for that. But we got some company. We got some company coming. And we don't want to give them the impression, take it or leave. I mean, 46 years old, I hate to tell my wife, but I don't know that it's getting much better than this. And it appears to be getting worse. Not really, I'm not trying to give her the worst. So, you could, you could. Put my iPad, I didn't realize, I'm trying to hurry. Put my iPad on, please, if you would. I think it's been about seven or eight months ago. I was, I was given, oops, that's my fault. We were, we were given about a $10,000 budget. I don't know what, to, to. To, to be like Jesus. Ah, we were given about a $10,000 budget, budget to do that. And do you know that we ended up using almost none of that budget because there were some people that decided the house, not the temple, not the... But what? Thank you, Brother Isaac. I appreciate that. Hopefully a few others of you agree with you. Because some people decided the house is important. And that was not even what was, what was provided wasn't even used because people bought into a vision of what was important. How many of you enjoyed any of the time we had out there? Yes. I don't remember when it was put up. I know it was put up before any construction. Anybody ever actually see that sign in person? A long time ago. Some of you weren't even born yet. 
after the property was purchased, that sign, that dirt road to the right is what we now drive on as a driveway to get up on the hill. And that sign, if I'm not mistaken, Brother Bishop, way before construction ever even anything was ever even started, that sign was put on the roadway and it says, for those of you that can't see it, here rises Antioch. If God be for us, who can be against us? And from a group of people that couldn't pay $250 a month for rent, we now sit 41 years later and can say, look what the Lord has done. But the truth of the matter is, He hadn't done it all by Himself. There's been some folks that He's worked through, through the years to get us here. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I'm going to see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way. And I believe I'm going to see you do it again. We cast a little bit of a vision earlier this year and you bought into it. And I'm trusting. I beg of you. I beg of you. I hope I somehow have communicated tonight. None of what I preached and none of what I'm about to communicate to you is intended to be about something from just simply a natural perspective. It's intended to be about what it represents and also what we demonstrate to God by what we do. It was when the same year, which I think 25 or 20, 25 years anniversary just took place of Princess Diana's death. Does anybody know offhand? I think it was 20. 20. We, we were had, had begun and were in the midst of the process of the new siding that was being put on the building then. That's when all that was done. When Princess Diana died, Brother Johnson, 20, 20 years ago. I've said it numerous times now, and I'm going to say it again tonight. I believe this piece of property should be the best looking place in all of Anne Arundel County. And it's time for that to happen. Because right now, it's not. And I'm going to show you what we are making steps toward. These are renderings. Everybody say renderings. That means it's not a finished, final, exact, but it's close enough. I don't know how great these are going to show up, but I hope they will show up fairly well. What you're looking at there is what would be the front of the building when you drive up. Stone columns, 
all across, new siding, new roof. This is the side where the patio is, looking from the patio. Substantial, very nice, attractive entrance down there, which is our main entrance. This is the side where the use office, my office from that side. This is the back, looking from the back of the building. I don't think this is intended just to be another place, just another location. But I believe God is in His divine will and plan, purpose this to be someplace very significant. I'm going to say it again. We've got prophecy after prophecy after prophecy of what God has promised He's going to do here. And so it was earlier this year. We have spent hours, thousands of dollars, countless hours in an attempt to build a new building. Drawn up numerous sets of plans, pursued those plans, hit obstacles along the way. The plan was that once we built a new building, we'd come back and fix all this up. But several months ago now, back in the spring, really is what uh, initiated the patio and doing the patio. I felt like the Lord impressed upon me, why should I give you something new if you don't properly care for what I've already given you? And there's also another principle in the Word of God, and that is you take care of what you have, and He provides more. There's really no place that I know of offhand where God did a miracle where He provided everything in advance, and you just sat back on cruise control. But people took a step of faith, And as they began to take steps of faith, God began to provide. When the woman had the child that the the, uh, bill collectors were trying to take, the man of God said, go get all the vessels you can get. He said, bring all the vessels into the house. She had a cruise of oil. There was not suddenly a tanker of oil that showed up when she got all the vessels. She started a cruise, and she ended with a cruise. And as long as there was empty vessels, there was oil. It wasn't until there was no longer vessels that the oil stopped. And I'm here tonight to declare to you that I am of the faith and believe, I really believe God has impressed upon me that if we will do our part with what we have, that He will take care of the rest. And instead of us trying to figure out the rest, we need to figure out what we got. And then He's going to bless and we will go from there. And so here's what I'm inviting you to do tonight. I've preached all. I really did not plan to go this long. I've preached all I have tonight. I, I, I'm not preached all I have tonight to try to give you a marketing pitch. Honestly, ultimately, God is my judge. I preached all that I preached tonight because I just want you to hopefully feel my heartbeat and where I am as your pastor and how I value what God has given us. I'm not the man that ran, that walked into this town 46 years ago with $300 or $200 in his pocket. I, I didn't do that, but i got to tell you, I love this. 
I love this with everything I've got in me. And I know I'm not the only one here tonight, but I'm just going to tell you, I love this church, not only the people that make up the church, but I love this place. And I don't think I'm the only one here tonight that this place has got some very dear memories for. And I realize for some of us, a lot of those memories are over there on the slab where we used to have church. And so it may not be this actual location, but there's a lot of us that have got some very significant things that God has done for us on this hill. And I've said it already and I believe it with all of my heart. The best is yet to come. A little over a year ago when we were in the process of looking at some buildings, working on ideas for what we wanted to do here, I felt like the Lord impressed this upon me. And I feel like this is the time. So tonight I've come as the last part of this. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. I, I, I know sometimes you shouldn't say stuff because then you get people start thinking something they weren't thinking and I'll, I'll take that risk. I'm, I'm asking you to understand there, there's some things I preached tonight out of a burden and the need that I felt to say them. Not in an effort to give you a sales pitch. That's all I can say. But I'm here tonight to trust that there's some folks that feel the same way I do about not only where we are but where we're going. We do have some funds that have been designated that are going to be used. But I believe it's also the will of God for you and I to make an investment in this process. Instead of me just trying to build my house figuratively, I need to put His first. And I don't mean just the building, I mean all of it, the kingdom. And here's what I felt like. Let me back up before I get there. I just want to say this to whoever's playing can come. Brother Shelton, when he attends church where he lives, in the area he lives, he goes to Brother Sullivan's church in Fort Smith, Arkansas. A couple of years ago, Brother Morgan was preaching there before he started preaching here. And they had a miraculous move of the Holy Ghost in a lot of ways. One of those ways was they were looking at building a new building. And the Holy Ghost began to move on that congregation. And with about 140 people giving, in the last just couple of years, they have had $1.2 million given from 140 people, basically. I'm not here tonight to ask you for a million dollars. That's not the point. My point is, God is able. And I'm going to tell you tonight, I believe the principle of the Word of God. If you put God first, God is going to bless. You cannot outgive God. So here's what I believe. I'm I'm telling you this as sincerely as I know how. I believe with all of my heart what I'm about to say to you, God, put into my spirit. I have not sat around brainstorming with anybody. I have not sat around discussing ideas. This is what I feel like God gave me, and this is what I have the faith for. 
I believe, and we're, 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 we're going to make an appeal beyond Antioch Central. We're going to make an appeal to the rest of Antioch at some point. But I believe God wants to do something through us as a congregation for a lot of different reasons. One of those reasons is I, I believe God wants to build our faith in what God can do through us. As Brother Godwin would say, all, thanks all three of you. <laughs> because you and I need to believe that we are well able. We are well able. And so here's, here's what I'm going to ask. I know some of you absolutely are not able. To do this, but I believe I'm believing for a hundred people. I, I believe it could come here tonight. I really do. But if not, I'll believe for beyond that. But I'm believing for a hundred people that will make an investment of fifteen hundred and thirty-five dollars in the next twelve months. If you did that once a month, it would break down to $128 a month. And I know some of you sit here and legitimately say, Brother Wright, I can't do that. And others of you sit here and say, you can't do that because you've got too many other things you're trying to build for yourself. But I'm telling you that I believe if you would put God first, some of those things you've been working hard to do for yourself, God would just take care of them. I really believe that. And I am believing that God is going to provide a hundred people that will give $1,535. Again, that's $128 a month. Now, I know this is a really big jump. I know that. I'm well aware. But for some of you that can't, absolutely can't do that, I'm challenging you to give $15.35 a month. Ever how many that is. And some of you can give somewhere in between that. I, I, I share this reluctantly, and all I can do is hope that you take this in the right spirit. Because the other thing I've been believing for, in addition to a hundred people that would commit to invest fifteen thirty five in fifteen thirty five Richie Highway, I also felt like the Holy Ghost impressed upon me that somebody was going to give $15,350. And I have been believing that ever since I got this idea. And I was expecting God to do that tonight. Except I was kind of expecting it a different way. Because a couple of days ago, as I've already mentioned in this message, our house is on the market. We're attempting to sell. We're going to make a move. We're not going anywhere, and I'm not getting into the details of what we're trying to do tonight. That's neither here nor there. Our house has been on the market since the spring, pretty much. We took it off for a couple of weeks to do some changes. And on Tuesday, I got a call that we had potentially a couple of offers. And I said to the Lord, we get a contract by this weekend, I will be the one. 
to give that 15350 I'm not saying that tonight it's to try to whatever. I'm just telling you where I'm at and where my heart is. I don't have an actual contract in hand, but it seems like it's heading that way. So I don't know if there's a second person to do that or not. I was expecting God to use somebody else, quite honestly. I was believing wholeheartedly for one of you. God has a way. So I'm asking you if you're willing tonight to join with me. To do our part to give God something to work with. I really believe, I know for some of you it would be an adjustment, but I really believe there's some of you tonight that if you'd be willing to make the commitment, you could do this. This is not in place of your tithes and your regular commitments. This is not in place of your missions. Don't make this in place of missions commitments you're already making. Don't do that. But I believe if some of you that are struggling to make it would do it and keep that faithfulness, by the end of next year, you will be surprised where you are. If I'm not mistaken, there's only one place that I know of where God invites you to put Him to the test. And that has to do with your finances. I'm not saying you're going to be living in a multi-million dollar house by the end of next year. I'm not... (laughs) But I believe if you and I will put Him first, and I'm going to say it again, I'm... I feel like I'm being defensive and I'm trying not to be defensive. (laughs) Forgive me. I'm trying to make it all about a building or all about a piece of property or location. But again, I believe God with all of my heart has blessed us with what we have. And I believe we have the privilege and the opportunity to be a part of what He's doing and going to do. So I'm going to ask you, if you're willing... I ask you to fill that out. If you no way in this world you can do $128, if there's no way you can do $15, I challenge you to do something. I'm just saying again as a declaration of my faith, I believe God has impressed upon me that there's going to be 100 people. They may not all be here tonight, I don't know. But I believe there's going to be 100 people that are going to commit to do this. And so what I'm asking you to do in just a moment, if you haven't already done so, I'm asking you to fill out, fill your name, fill the amount. And then what I'm going to ask you to do is come and lay that card on this altar. When you come do that, we've got some another half-page card that's going to be laid out up here. And so I'm going to ask you to put the card you have on the altar and take one of these cards. And what you will see is, These cards have 12 tear-offs on them. January, February, March, etc. So what I'm asking you to do is each month tear it off when you give your commitment. If you give online, and you're welcome to give online, I'm asking you if you would. Here's what I'm asking you to do each month is to write on this card when you give, how you gave. You gave cash, if you gave check, or if you gave online. I'm asking you to write that in. If you give online, and I know a lot of you do your giving online, if you give online, I'm asking you to just simply tear it off, write on there online, and turn it in. We're going to be getting one of those large fundraising kind of thermometers printed up. 
We're going to be getting all of these drawings, renderings, printed up, put on the wall so you can see where we're going. I will tell you the first priority, while it may not be the most attractive thing to be done, the first priority is going to be the roof. Not only for some look's sake, but also for leakage sake. Brother Johnson's, I think, tired of replacing tiles. <laughs> but listen, folks, listen. Please hear me tonight. Please understand what I've just shown you. I know in the past we've... we've Shown some things about what the plan was for new this, new that. This is this is not wishful thinking. We've we've invested time, effort in these drawings. We're working on the next steps. This is happening. I've told you we've already got funds that are going to be set aside, funds that we already can use available, but it takes more than that. And I also believe it's the will of God for you and I to make an investment. Brother Wright, I already pay my tithes, so do I. I already give the missions, so do I. I already give in the offering, so do I. But every now and then there's some things that come our way that God's wanting to see. Are you willing to go even a little beyond where you are? But I believe the principle is God says, if you'll go beyond where you are, I'll go beyond where I am. I want to say it again, and I sincerely hope you agree with me. This is not my church. This is not my building. This is not my... And I know that I'm not the only one. I know I'm not. I know when you start calling some names... And leave people out, you take the risk of offending people. And I apologize for that if, you're, if I miss you or I don't call your name. And I may not call more than one name right now, but the times that I drive off of this property and I see late in the afternoon or in the evening, I see Brother Alan McGuckian edging out a landscaping island or taking care of that sign or other things he does, that tells me I'm not the only one that loves the house of the Lord. Man, it's frustrating when you feel like you've got to defend that statement. It's really frustrating when you can't just feel like you can freely say the house of the Lord. No, 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 it doesn't require a building and all of that, but we have dedicated this place to be the meeting place for at least a portion. So I'm asking you to join with me. I Most weeks I'm here seven days out of the week at least some point. Usually at least six days out of the week I'm here at some point. I drive up on this hill, and you know what? I don't care what it looks like. This is where I belong. This is where I'm going. But to those that may not be a part of us yet, they probably don't quite feel that way. And they probably go, ooh. Y'all might as well be honest with me for a moment. Come on. 
I know some of you are so good, you don't see all that stuff, but some of us do. Solomon, I remind you what Solomon said. We got to get the presence. Doesn't matter that we've made a beautiful temple. The bottom line is we got to have the presence in the temple. And so no matter what we do outside, inside, if we don't have the presence of God here, it's all in vain. But I believe we have the presence of God. And so I believe if we'll do our part, God will do His part. So I'm asking you, if you would, whatever amount you ultimately are willing to commit, write that down. Once you've done that, if you would bring, just simply lay it on this altar. When you lay your piece on the altar, the little card you took earlier, you would take one of these others, take it with you, if you just remain standing once you make your way back to your seat. Uh, got a, you need more than one? Or just Anybody else still need one of the smaller cards? We've got more if anybody needs them. Again, if you just remain standing, I'm done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I guess it would be about 47 or 8 years ago, somewhere in that range, where Bishop was preaching a revival and he said God gave him the vision of a large building on a four-lane highway outside of Annapolis. I don't know about you, but I've heard him say numerous times that this is not that building. Anybody else heard that, or is that just me? This is not it. So if this is not it, God's faithful to His promises. And you and I are going to be a part of the fulfillment of that. And I'm saying to you again tonight, I believe with all of my heart, if we do our part, God is going to do His part. I want you, if you would, to join hands or put a hand on a shoulder wherever you are, whatever's most comfortable. And I want you to connect with somebody beside you. Father, I thank You tonight for this great body of people You have placed us in. God, I believe that what Mordecai said to Esther applies to us tonight. That you have brought us to the kingdom for such a time as this. God, we stand tonight full. We stand on the promises that you've given us. 
with faith and confidence that you will do all that you have said you would do. And tonight, God, we make a step of faith to show you that your kingdom, your work, and that it's not about a physical building, but it's about what it represents, God. That we're going to do our part and expect that you are going to do your part. You are the source. You are the provider. You are the way maker and we trust you tonight. We've seen you move the mountains in the past and we believe we're going to see you do it again. You've made a way in the past when there was no way and I believe that you're going to do it again. I believe I'm going to see you do it again through us, through this group of people, God, that you have brought together for such a time as this. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I believe. Anybody join me tonight? I believe. I'm going to see you do it again. You move the mountains. I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way. And you're the same God today as you've always been. Oh, you move the mountain. I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way. Come on, would you declare that tonight as we close? Can we make that our declaration tonight? I've seen you move. You move the mountains and I believe I'm going to see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way. And I believe, I believe, I believe I'm going to see you do it again. Oh, I believe I'll see you do it again. Oh, when there was no way. I'll see you do it again. You move the mountain. You made a way when there was no See you do it again.
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. In Jesus' name. 